And take your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6. Holding your place there, we're going to be in a couple different portions of Scripture this morning. This morning I want to preach a message entitled, There is Coming a Day. Holding your place in Matthew chapter number 6, if you would. Matthew chapter number 6, as you hold your place there. Turn with me also to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1. Holding your place there. And we'll be in Acts chapter number 1 here in just a, a little while. And as you think about... That statement, there is coming a day. One of the great desires for Christians is the day in which you enter the gates of heaven. As you think about eternity and as you have eternity in view and as you begin to think about eternity in in perspective and all the many things that come with eternity, spending days with the Lord and as you're there present with the Lord, what a joy that's going to be. But on the flip side, there's also coming a day when there will be some who have never accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And what a sad day that will be. There will be some who have family members that will not be in heaven. There will be some who have friends that will not be in heaven. And there will be some that sat in the church every single Sunday that will not be in heaven. Why? Because they never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. You see, if you, you make the statement, I, I've been faithful to church my whole life, that's wonderful, but that's not what's going to get you to heaven. You say, I was a deacon of, one, of the church. That's wonderful, but that doesn't get you to heaven. I was a Sunday school teacher. That's wonderful, but it doesn't get you to heaven. All those many things that you see, the, the many statements that are made, the many times in which people are confused, and it's so simple, but your faith in Jesus Christ. Yet our world, our society has made it complicated and made everything so confusing to so many. There are so many different doctrines out there. There are so many different teachings out there. There are so many things that, that people walk into the doors of the church and say, I've never heard this before. There are things all across this world that don't line up. But as you come to the Word of God this morning and you look at Matthew chapter number 6, Acts chapter number 1, and we'll be in the book of Revelation here in a little while, and also the book of John. This morning, as we think about that statement, there is coming a day. You see, our longing for heaven plays a vital part in our our lives on a daily basis. Uh, It brings joy. It's it's a a wonderful reminder of our salvation and the the inheritance that we have and the great joy that we can know for sure. You know, as I laid my head on my pillow at the age of 16, knowing that I was lost and knowing that I was going to hell if I were to die that night, every single night for a period of time, I'd lay my head on my pillow and just hope that I would wake up. I was terrified. I was frightened. I didn't know what tomorrow held. I didn't know if I was going to make it to tomorrow. You sit in a church service and you'd hear the, the, the pastor preaching a message on heaven and on hell and he'd be preaching on all of those many things and I thought I had everybody fooled. And I continued to have that thought. And it wasn't until the day I actually got it settled where I finally found joy once again. You know, joy is found in Jesus alone. And joy is found in Jesus, the moment of salvation, and every step of the way as you walk with Him, you find joy in those steps. Heaven is going to be glorious. Heaven is going to be wonderful. As you think about heaven, it plays a vital part not only in bringing us joy, but it produces that personal walk. You think about that. You think about that, that moment in which you long to be in heaven. You say, you know what, I don't want to just wait to heaven to walk with my Lord. I want to walk with Him now. And what a joy that is that we have the access, we have the ability to do that. And then it also, on the other side of it, and we'll deal with this here in a little while, it keeps us aware of eternity. You see, this morning, you've walked into the church. Some of you are faithful church members. Some of you are visitors. Some of you are Christians. Some of you may not be. You've walked into the church. 
For those who are Christians, it's very easy sometimes to get into the habit and get into the routine of saying, hey, we got church on Sunday, we've got church on Wednesday, we've got this or that, and we walk into the doors of the church and we listen to the preaching of God's Word, only never to take it out to this lost and dying world. But see, when you look to heaven and you long for heaven and you begin to be aware of eternity, you begin to think about souls. You begin to think about that person you're going to come in contact with at the grocery store. You say, who? I don't know, but God knows. You begin to think about that, that gas station attendant that you'll walk in and say, hey, I need to put $20 on pump number five. You'll begin to think about that family member that you've been praying for. You'll begin to think about that friend, that coworker, all those many people. You see, because you'll want to see them someday in heaven. I have family members that are lost. I have friends that are lost. I have people that I've come in contact with over the last year that I've been praying for that's lost. And one of the greatest joys that I could experience on this earth would be to lead them to the Lord or to see them come to know Christ as their personal Savior. When you think about heaven and you think about how the Lord works within our lives, over 500 times in the Word of God, the word heaven is mentioned. Many, many times you say, well, does that make it important? If it's said one time, it makes it important. But over 500 times? Can you imagine with me, alone in, in the book of Revelation, John mentions it over 50 times. And you begin to think about all of these many things concerning heaven and the joy that's going to come. You can turn with me to the book of Revelation if you want. Revelation chapter number 21. I want you to notice these verses for just a moment as you think about this wonderful day that we're going to, at some point in time, experience. Revelation chapter number 21. The Bible says in verse number 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You think about those words. Verse number 4, that begins to really hit home for many. And you think about these words, and there shall be no more death, nor so- neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain you begin to think about that day that is coming and what a wonderful and glorious day that will take place isaiah 25 verse number 8 says he will swallow up death and victory and the lord god shall wipe away tears from off all faces the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth for the lord has spoken it you see Many of us long for heaven for the obvious of the the getting to experience every single moment with the lord you also think about the loved ones that have gone on before. You think about the friends that have gone on before. You think about all of those and the many memories probably pop up into your mind and you'll get to see them once again someday. Revelation chapter number 21, verses 21 through 25, the Bible says this, And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was one of pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold as it was transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by the day, for there shall be no more night there. You know, the hymn writer in this hymn, as we are looking at the words of hymn 840, as you think about that statement, what a day that will be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. 
What a day, glorious day that will be. There will be no sorrow there, no burdens to bear, no sickness, no pain, no parting over there. Forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. You say, well, what's the most exciting part of this hymn? I'll tell you what the most exciting part about this hymn is for me. In the chorus, the very beginning, it says, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And then as you continue down the chorus, and it says, When he takes me by the hand. I look forward to that. I look forward to that day and what a glorious day it's going to be. But can I ask you this question? What does that statement mean to you? As I make this statement, there is coming a day, there are two responses that we will typically get. The first response is that of rejoicing. You say, yes, I'm ready for heaven. I'm I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I can't help but be excited. I long to be there someday. The other one is a little bit more reserved. The other one could be either one of two things. Either you know you're not saved this morning. You've walked into the church, you're sitting in the seat, and you're saying, oh, uh, as you're preaching, there is coming a day I'm frightened because I've not settled my salvation. And you're concerned. The other is you know you are saved, but you know you're not living for God. You see, I've had conversations before. And in conversations when talking about heaven and talking about that day, there have been people that would say, you know what, I need to get my life in order first. And oftentimes, whenever someone is not rejoicing the simple fact that that statement, there is coming a day, and what a day that will be, all of those many things, oftentimes it may be because they're not living for the Lord. They're not living the way that He ought to desire, and they're living in sin and certain things of, of that nature. So this morning, you find yourself sitting in the church, and I say, there is coming a day. And immediately, you either found yourself rejoicing, oh, there's coming a day. It, 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 it's real. It's going to happen. I look forward to it. I can't wait to walk with my Lord. Or you found yourself saying, I wish he'd stop preaching on this right now. It's uncomfortable. You know how I know that that may be how you're feeling? Because I was one of these teenage boys right here. And every single time that the preacher would open the Word of God, I was praying he wouldn't preach on heaven and hell. You know why? Because when he did, conviction set in. Praise God for conviction. You see, conviction is what brought me to my realization that I needed my Savior. Realization that I needed to get my life back on track, but the only way I'd get my life back on track was with it starting with Him. And there are many people who say, I need to get my life back on track. Well, you can't do it without Jesus. There's coming a day. Notice with me in Matthew chapter number 6, if you make your way back there, Matthew chapter number 6. I want to challenge you this morning in just a, a few brief moments. As you look at Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to be in Acts chapter number 1 here in just a few moments. And And then we'll find ourselves looking at a couple other verses as you think about this statement. There is coming a day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. and We'll look at Matthew chapter number 6. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we love you this morning. Lord, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for our visitors. Lord, this morning, if there's one here who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I do pray that they'd get that settled. Lord, the struggle lies within... Lord, that flesh and the Spirit. Lord, many are battling this morning just to live for You. No doubt about it, Lord, as we all struggle with this. And Lord, this morning I do pray that You would help us. Lord, as we consider that statement, there is coming a day, Lord, I pray that the, every single one of us, Lord, would realize that that day is coming. And Lord, it's a day of rejoicing, but it's all day, also a day of reckoning. Lord, for the one who is unsaved this morning, I pray that you'd convict them of their sin. I pray that you'd help them to see their need for Christ. I pray that you'd help them to understand that it's 
It's much more than trying to fool people. Lord, there's coming a day when they won't be able to fool anyone. Lord, I pray that you would be with the one who is struggling with their salvation this morning. Lord, that you would calm them. Lord, remove the fear, remove the distractions. Lord, convict them of their sin. Lord, I thank you for that day, Lord, that evening when I was sitting in a church service, Lord, and you convicted me of my sin. I thank you for all the many days and the weeks leading up to that day. I thank you for the preachers who preach the word of God, thus saith the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the days in which, Lord, you were convicting me, and, Lord, I was still fighting, but, Lord, you didn't give up. Lord, I thank you for the gentleman, Lord, who invested in me and told me that I needed to live for the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the calling on my life. Lord, this morning as I preach your word, I pray that I would just simply do that, preach your word. Lord, help me to stray away from saying anything that I think needs to be said, but, Lord, only say what you would have for me to say. Lord, this morning I pray that you'd empty me of self, Forgive me of sin and fill me with your spirit. I pray that I would preach your word in nothing but. We'll thank you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Matthew chapter number 6, the Bible says in verse number 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, notice this statement right here. It oftentimes would end with a question mark, but it ends with an exclamation point. How great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Oftentimes, when you come to these verses right here, they always tie it to verse number 33. Notice what this verse says. It says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That first statement, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Go with me as you hold your place there. Go with me to the book of John, chapter number 3, for just a moment. In John, chapter number 3, I know you know this verse, but I want you to look at this verse. It always does us good to look at the verse and evaluate the words and make it personal. Sometimes when we say, I know that, I'm not going to look at it. We just allow it to float on in and float on out. The Bible says in John chapter number 3, verse number 16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning you've walked into the church. Some of you are saved. One might not be saved. And this morning you've walked and you say, but it's different from me. I'm the exception. Can I share with you, there's not an exception. Jesus Christ came and He died for all. The Bible says right here, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him. You see, we're living in a day and age when there are people who are convinced that they're not worthy of it. And the truth of the matter is, none of us are worthy of it. But it's the grace of God. You see, this morning, you've walked in the church and you say, but I don't know what to do. Well, I would love to take the Word of God, show you what the Word of God has to say, and help you to understand that you can get that settled. You see, this morning, as you've come into the house of God and we come to understand that there is coming a day, and you go with me to John chapter number 4, I want you to notice this. Verse number 34 and 35, the Bible says this. John chapter 4. Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. And finish His work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift your eyes up, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. You see, this morning, 
Notice with me, number one, we have a responsibility. See, there's coming a day. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, as you make your way there, I want you to notice a couple of things. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, we dealt with this for a few moments, holding your place in John 4. In our Sunday school hour, and we dealt with this statement right here in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 8, and the first statement that is used right here, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Notice this statement right here. Ye shall be witnesses. You see, we have a responsibility. It's very easy for me to come and stand up here in the pulpit and stand and preach, hey, there's coming a day. It's easy for me to say, hey, there's coming a day, and people are sitting there saying, well, well, what do I do about it? At that point in time, I need to show them what they need to do about it. You see, every single day, we come in contact with people. We have conversations. We talk about things. We, we are presented opportunities sometimes, and sometimes we shy away from that. But whenever you have embedded into your mind that there is coming a day and you wake up understanding that there is coming a day, then every single person that you come in contact with is no longer about what you're trying to get out of them, but what you're trying to show them. You see, when you are at the restaurant, it's not about that waiter bringing you the food. No, it's about you delivering them the water that they've been longing and thirsting for. The Word of God. Something that will last. Something that's of substance. Something that will change their life forever. When you go to the grocery store, it's not that that person that is checking you out and scanning all of your items, it's not that they would hurry it up, but no, that you would almost pray that they'd take their time so that you could ask them, hey, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Hey, hey, hey you don't have to, it's fine. You can, you know, somebody was in there the other day, I was standing in front of them. I've never thought about this, but I might use this method moving forward if I want to share the gospel with them. Someone was standing in front of me at Walmart and they were checking out and the person said, could you bag every single one of these items in separate bags? Now they probably, they do what we do. We use those bags at home. Those bags are used for the trash can. Those bags are used to, when the kids had, had diapers, they were used for the diapers. They're used for, 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 for anything and everything. I had to go clean out the van the other day. I grabbed two Walmart bags, took them out of the van. So I know what they're doing. But I thought, you know what, that would be a very good method right there. Hey, could you bag each of these items separately? And while you're bagging each of these separately, do you know where you'd spend eternity someday? Good method. But notice this statement right here. You shall be witnesses. The word witnesses tells of what they've seen, heard, or experienced. You see, every single one of us, if you're a child of God this morning, you've experienced first and foremost the most life-changing thing you'll ever experience, salvation. Now, what an experience. You say, ah, you know, I'm a Christian, but I haven't experienced much. You've experienced a lot. I was thinking about this the other day as I was driving. When I first started preaching, I kept preaching my testimony. My brother-in-laws would, would joke with me whenever I'd tell them I'd be preaching. They'd say, you're going to preach your testimony? And we'd joke about it because I didn't know what else to say. I would study God's Word, but every single time I'd study God's Word, I'd always come back to my testimony because I just want to tell people that I'd just gotten saved. Hey, I'd gotten saved. This is what God did for me. I know it's what God can do to you. And that's what I continue to preach. And you think about this witness statement right here. Ye shall be witnesses. It tells what they've seen, heard, or experienced. You've experienced some things. Be a witness. You say, well, what about hearing things? You've sat under the preaching of God's Word. You've heard some things. Go and share it. You say, well, what about the, 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 the things I've seen? You've seen God answer some prayers. You've seen God work in services. You've seen God work in your own life. Go and be a witness. You see, every single one of us have to understand that there is coming a day and some of us only will come in contact with someone where we are the only Christian that they know. 
You know, I think about that every single time I'm in a group setting and I think about how I conduct myself and certain things like that and I I make sure that I act a certain way that so people understand that there is something different about Christians. Man, it's not always about the dress. It's not always about how we act in certain things. No, it's about the compassion that we have. It's about the love that we share. It's about the conversations that we can have that are meaningful and helping them understand, hey, I'm a Christian, but it's much more than what you see on the outside by what God did right here. And see, people need to see that. People need to understand all of that. You know, it was Bruce Morgan. I don't know Bruce personally, but he made the statement. I was sharing this in our Sunday school class with them. The trouble with Christians in our society is you look back in history, there was a time when Christians were sought after to kill almost all the time. You say, well, times have changed. Yes, times have changed and Christians have changed. And the trouble with Christians is that nobody wants to kill us anymore. Well, you say, why? Because we're silent. You know, when was the last time someone just got so angry with you for knocking on their door at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning? When was the last time someone looked you in the eyes and said, how dare you invite me to church? When was the last time someone got so frustrated because you kept sending them an invitation? You say, well, I figured if they didn't respond the first time, I'd just stop. And that's the reason. You know, a while back, I was talking to a preacher, and <laughs> he looked at me and said, you're persistent. I said, you got to be. You got to be. We were talking. I was trying to get him to come and participate in something, and I kept inviting him to it. He's like, ah, I just can't, I just can't, I can't. He said, you're persistent. I said, guess what? I'm going to invite you again next week, too. We've got to be. You know, there was a, the persistent preaching of God's Word as I was sitting there every single week listening to God's Word being preached. My pastor didn't even know that. Maybe he did because he said I wasn't allowed to date his daughter. But maybe he, he knew I was unsaved at the time. But he, he would preach on heaven and hell. And, he, and you know this. Whenever you're lost and you, you, you need to get that settled and you're sitting in the, the church services, it's as though every single service is on heaven and hell. Why? Because that's what God's trying to get you to see your need of. There's coming a day. You see, we have, we have a responsibility. That word witness speaks of the things that they've seen, heard, and experienced. And can I share with you, we also have a resource. And the Bible says in verse number 1, I mean verse number 8 of chapter number 1 of the book of Acts, but ye shall receive power, and after the Holy Ghost is upon you, ye shall be witnesses. You know what the greatest resource we have? ourselves. I don't always have my phone on me. I don't always have my Bible on me. But as I hide God's Word into my heart, and I come in contact with someone who needs to hear the gospel, guess what? I can immediately give it to them. We have the greatest resource within ourselves. We have another resource. The greatest, truly the greatest, is the Word of God. And as we go and we take this word to a lost and dying word, we're able to share with them, hey, there's coming a day. What do you mean there's coming a day? There's coming a day when you're going to find that there's two places you're going to spend eternity, either heaven or in hell. Where would you die? If you were to die, where would you spend eternity? Well, I really don't know. Can I show you right now through God's word how you could know? Well, I've always been told that, no, 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 no. The Bible says this. Well, yeah, but I was taught, no, 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 this is what the word of God says. And we take them and we show them through God's Word, through the resource of God's Word. 
This morning, you say you've walked into the house of God, you're sitting there, and you don't know that you're saved. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're sitting there and you say, What's the whosoever means? Anybody. Anyone. You walk out of the doors of the church, you can take this word and you can present it to every single person you come in contact with and it applies to them. Have you accepted Christ? No. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you accepted Christ? No. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you continue to take it to every single person. We have a responsibility. We don't lack in 2021 resources. And truth of the matter is, we never have because we have the resource of ourselves. Truth of the matter is also, though, oftentimes we shy away from it. One of the things that we have, as a church, done so much harm is we've tamed Jesus. We've held him back. Hey, we've got a great group here this morning. I praise the Lord for the people that have visited. I praise the Lord for the church family we have. But it's not just for us. As you walk out those doors and you leave 131 Corporate Drive, you go home, take it to them. Take it to your neighborhood. Take it to your workplace. You say, well, why? Number one, we have a responsibility. Number two, we have a resource. Number three, we have a reason. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy, uh, of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Psalm 96, verse 3, Declare His glory among the heathen, His wonders among all people. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You say, what's the reason? There's coming a day. There's coming a day. You see, if you're a child of God this morning, you can rejoice in that day. But guess what? I have a father who's unsaved. He's not going to be able to rejoice. I have friends that are unsaved. They're not going to be able to rejoice. I have people that I've come in contact with over the last year. They're not going to be able to rejoice unless they get saved. There's coming a day. Go back with me to Matthew chapter number 6 for just a moment. In Matthew chapter number 6, can I share with you one challenge and we'll be done this morning. If you think about Matthew chapter number 6, this passage of Scripture has been used in my life greatly. And I want to ask you three questions that I ask myself. As I read verse number 19 and 20, I'm just going to keep them practical. I'm not going to try to alliterate these. I'm not going to try to get you to think. I'm just going to, I'm just going to get to the point. What, what are these three questions? The first one, notice, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moss and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. The first question is this, what are you laying up? What are you living for? What, what is your pursuit after? What are you trying to accomplish? At the end of my life, I want it to be said, Josh Farmer loved God and lived his life for God. I want it to be said, hey, he, he had some things on this earth, but those things paired into comparison with what he was laying up in heaven. What are you laying up? Verse number 19 through 20, what do you lay up? Verse number 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Verse 22 and 23 says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Notice these statements right here in verse 22 and 23. I be single or I be angle. Angle. I be evil. How's your sight? How's your sight? 
What are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What are you looking at? What are you allowing to process through your eyes? You say, you know, I'm in a state of confusion right now. You know why? Because you're living for yourself and not living for the Lord. And you say, well, well, how can you say that? Because the Bible says in verse number 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. So the last question is this, who are you serving? You know, I'll tell you this, the greatest decision outside of getting saved was giving my life completely to God. Do I fail? Yes, every single one of us do. But I'll tell you what, every single day that I wake up and I think about the opportunity I have to serve the Lord, I just don't get over it. I get excited about it. I get plum giddy about it. You you think about all that God can accomplish in a, a congregation like this. If every single one of us would say, you know what, there's coming a day, Lord, and so the rest of my days I'm giving to you. God, there's coming a day, Lord, and there's people that need to hear the gospel. There's people that need to be reached. And so, Lord, every single day of my life, Lord, I want to be soul conscious. You come to verse number 33 of Matthew chapter number 6. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What it boils down to at the end of our lives as we think about this statement, there's coming a day, is where are you going to place your priority in your life? You know, it's very easy for us sometimes to, to say, you know what, I would, but. You know, I would, but I've got to go here. What if you flipped it? Someone comes up to you and says, hey, I want you to come with me to this. You know, I would, but I've got church I want to attend. You know, I've got, I would, but I've got this with, with, with an activity with our church that we've got to be at. You know, I would, but the Lord is more important. At the end of our lives, and we come to this statement one more time, there's coming a day. I wonder, in that day in which we walk pearly gates, walking hand in hand with our Savior, I wonder what it's going to be like. I look forward to seeing my grandfathers. I look forward to seeing some of my family members who've gone on before. I look forward to seeing some friends that, I, that my parents had that they've told me about. I look forward to seeing some of that. There's coming a day, and I want to be able to take as many people with me. So that means if this young man was unsaved, I'd try to lead him to the Lord. If this young man was unsaved, I'd try to lead him to the Lord. If this young man will get saved. Now, if this man, young man right here was unsaved, I'd try to lead him to the Lord. All these ladies, every single person. Because there's coming a day is twofold. There's coming a day of rejoicing for us. There's coming a day of reckoning for the lost. Let's make it count. Our time on earth is limited. Eternity ought to be in view. There's coming a day. Lord, we do thank you. I pray that you'd help us this morning. Lord, it's so easy to get sidetracked. It's so easy to get our eyes fixed on all the many things of this world and all the many accomplishments and goals. But Lord, may we be soul winners for you. There's coming a day. May we be soul conscious. Lord, a simple message of sharing some things from my heart this morning. Lord, if there's one here this morning that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I pray that they'd get that settled. The greatest decision that they could ever make. Lord, may they put aside their pride, humble themselves, and get this dealt with. I pray that you'd help them. Lord, for the Christian that's not living for you, I pray that you'd draw them unto yourself. Show them that there's a better way, a better path. 
you have a better purpose. I pray that your will would be accomplished. Lord, help us all to be yielded to you this morning and say yes. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As you're sitting there, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask one question. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to encourage you. I want to pray for you. As you're sitting there in your seat right this very moment, you say, I've never accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I know right this very moment that if I were to die, I would go to hell. Maybe you say, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Would you slip up your hand so I can just pray for you? I just want to pray for you. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put those hands down. Anyone else this morning? You say, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or hell. Anyone at all? All right, I want to encourage you for just a moment. If you raised your hand, could I encourage you to stand up and walk to the front? We'll have one of our workers ready to show you from God's Word how you can know that you know that you know. You don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to lay your head on your pillow and question anymore, but you say, I want to get this dealt with. Could you just stand up and come forward? We won't embarrass you. We want to show you from God's Word. Any others want to take that step? You say, I don't know, but I want to get it settled. Could I encourage you? Take that step. Anyone at all? For the church, those who are saved, this morning you've come to the house of God, and you say, there's coming a day. What a glorious day. It's a day of rejoicing and a day of reckoning. Could I encourage you to find yourself this morning either at this altar praying for some poor soul or rejoicing in that day that's coming? Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed, as the piano plays, the Lord speaking to you. I want to encourage you to find yourself at the altar.